This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined this week by Auburn Undercovers, Nathan King, to look ahead to this game between A&M and Auburn, two of probably the most disappointing teams in the country this season. Nathan, thanks, thanks for jumping on here with us. Yeah, of course. It's crazy that uh, this is such a highly anticipated game, especially for Auburn fans. If you had told me two, three, and six teams, I don't know if there would have been a lot of energy for a, for a game this late in the season, but this is probably their most anticipated home game all season since they hosted Penn State in week three. So, Man, I was thinking about it this time last year. This was a top 15 matchup between Auburn and A&M uh, and right, right around, I think, the college football playoffs. This was the second week after the college football playoff rankings had come out. And since then, so much has changed for, for both sides. Auburn's obviously got a new interim coach now in Cadillac Williams. What's... What's been the the mood around the program since that since that change was made, and and what's maybe been the response from the players the past couple of weeks? Yeah, you know, we were talking about it before we got rolling here today. Yeah. It's it's sort of a um, sort of a good case study for why you make these decisions during the season. Um, if you had waited until the end of the year, look, it, it sounds harsh, but everything about this program was getting worse every day that you left Brian Harson, the head coach recruiting on field production, retention of players, all that kind of stuff was just going downhill. Um, and so they got the new AD in there and they left it. They, they made a clean slate for him because the university president that morning on Halloween morning pushed out Brian Harson, And then they introduced John Cohen, the, or they officially announced John Cohen, the, the new AD comes over from Mississippi state. They announced him like five hours later. Yeah, and like you mentioned, uh, Cadillac Williams is the interim head coach. That's somebody many college football fans, of, of course, know, SEC fans know. Um, I'd, I'd put him in the, you know, Auburn doesn't have a ring of honor or anything like that, but if they did, he'd be in it. I mean, he's one of the most beloved figures in program history, and the fact that he gets this opportunity, um, it's pretty special for him, and, and he's he's made that known. And look, the fan response has been, we'll start there, I guess, it has been incredible. Um, this this was, they they showed out in Starkville. Um, we've had so many people tell us, both on our board, in person, wherever you want to talk to fans, that they didn't plan on going to that game, didn't plan on going to this game against Texas A&M, and they and they they grabbed those tickets as soon as they could. They had a huge crowd presence there. Um, you can just feel, you know, the energy of this team just being a lot looser. You know, it's not like they wanted Brian Harson to be fired. It's not like this team hated Brian Harson. Yeah, but you you had this cloud of uncertainty, and these you know players aren't dumb. They see what's going on. They see it better than anybody. They knew this was coming. They knew Brian Harson was toast at one point or another. And so for this to just be lifted now, look, they were so dejected 
after Arkansas, after losing by three touchdowns yeah. at home. That was Brian Harson's last game. He got fired two days later. They were just so down and out. And I was looking at that team. Look, they host Western Kentucky next week. I'm like, I don't know if this team beats anybody the rest of the season. The mood was that bad. Now you just get guys playing loose. Cadillac even admitted, he's like, I'm not sure I can promise a game. He said that on his first day as interim head coach. <laughs> I'm not sure I can promise that we're going to go out here and win a ball game. Yeah. But the things that he has said about getting this team to play hard, playing for Auburn, playing for the fan base, playing for the future of this program, man, it's gotten everybody so jazzed up. Like I mentioned, Cadillac is somebody that everybody in this fan base loves. And I can say from talking to players this week, even talking to them after the Mississippi State game, they, they lost that game in overtime. In all other circumstances, it's a you know eighty percent of other circumstances that would have been a gut wrenching loss. Instead, they're in there with smiles on their faces and saying, "Man, I'm so proud of us for playing hard. I'm so proud of us for going out there and and, and giving so much effort." You just hadn't seen that that much this season. This was a team you know people like to say you know one two three Cancun. This team was this team was about there um, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. And man, they've they've really turned it around, and now it it ends up being to the point we're at now where I expect a complete madhouse on Saturday night. This it's the combination of supporting Cadillac Williams and they're getting some frustrations out. Brian Harson had really put this program in a hole. Um, and I think they're excited to go out there and, uh, and, and let that be known and kind of uh, support the team here in, in the past couple, last couple games of the season. Heck, sometimes honesty is the best policy, right? Say, I just don't know where, where what's going to happen the rest of the year, but let's just go out and, and play has, I know there's so much kind of up in the air when a coaching staff gets or coaching search gets started in an AD a new AD comes in kind of adds another wrinkle to that. Has there been any mention among him as, as a potential, like this being a potential audition for Cadillac Williams and, you know, among other candidates that they're looking at or. And you've got to think that it, at least in some small percentage, it could yeah. be. Um, it's worth noting. This is only, this is Cadillac's first major college job. He yeah. was, GA at West Georgia, and that's it. Gus Malzahn went and went and plucked him when he was coaching the Birmingham Iron, um, because he knew he, he knew he'd be a great recruiter. It you know it's Cadillac Williams. It, you, know, yeah. you you, you got to bring him home when you have that opportunity. He's been great the past few seasons. I think Tank Bigsby's production speaks to speaks to you know what he's done the past couple years. Um, he's been a great recruiter for this program. I think more so this is probably an audition to keep him retained, gotcha. because you you know the worst thing you want to do is when you bring in a new head coach say. You know, welcome to Auburn. Here is the list of coaches you absolutely have to retain. You, you, you don't want that, but it'll be pretty difficult for the new coach to ignore. Let's say Cadillac wins these next couple games. Um, you know, they only had three wins before he started his tenure. Let's say he gets two, he gets two wins. You got to include a, a game in Starkville. They played really hard. Maybe they give Alabama a little bit of a fight that you know, Bama's going to blow them out in that game, like they always do in Tuscaloosa, but maybe they give them a little bit of fight in that last week and just the recruiting momentum stays up. Look, there are 32 blue chip recruits visiting for this game between you know two, three, and six teams. I saw a stat today on Twitter where there are 16 blue chip recruits visiting for a game between Ole Miss and Alabama on Saturday. So you know the energy is still there. The recruiting efforts have been really good. Don't know about a head coach position. Um, we're maybe still still a ways away from that. Now, if they beat Alabama, come talk to me after that because yeah. that is a complete impossibility. And if he pulls that off, that might turn the whole thing on its head. But I think more so this is about making sure, you know, that, that he is in place to be on the next staff. And it, it'd be, I can't really, even if they lose every game, I can't foresee the next head coach coming in here and looking at the way the players respond to him, how great of a recruiter he is and how beloved he is by not only the fan base, but, you know, people in that building. 
and saying, nah, I'll just bring in my own running backs coach. I, I think I think he's probably he's probably already done enough to be on the next staff, but it'll be a continued audition probably these next few weeks. No doubt. Having some familiarity familiarity around for those kids probably helps as well. Have there been a lot of differences you noticed maybe schematically or in, in their messaging since Cadillac took over? I know it's only been a couple weeks or one in one game, but were there some differences you noticed this past weekend? Or? Sure. I mean, simplicity was the name of the game and, and Cadillac's even said as much. He admitted it in the game planning. You know, as, as, as much as maybe Mississippi State might have latched onto that, uh, he, he said, you know, we're not going to make things too difficult for these offensive players. Of course, it, it's it's worth mentioning. I haven't I haven't mentioned it yet. The offensive coordinator got pushed out when Brian Harson did Eric Keesaw, um, Brad Bedell, the tight ends coach. He also got pushed out. And so you know, Keesaw was your play caller. You know, it, it went obviously the head coach is pretty involved in that aspect, but Keesaw was your primary play caller. And so. Um, now the the co-play calling duties are split between the offensive line coach Will Friend and the wide receivers coach Ike Hilliard. They're split in play calling duties, being co-offensive coordinators. They kind of learned as they went along. There's a pretty great picture of uh, after a timeout, Will Friend is like behind the bench, away from everybody else, just deep in the playbook, like right. In, I mean, <laughs> they didn't. This isn't. There was a clip on TV of Will Friend flipping through the playbook and Ike standing over his shoulder. And then he points really excitedly. He's like, that's the play. That's like, cause they, they just don't know. They don't know what these plays are called. Right. They, have, they haven't run plays all season. <laughs> and so, you know, you wanted to keep things simple in terms of differences. I, I will say there was one that actually kind of stood out to me um, more designed runs for Robbie Ashford, the, the quarterback. That was something, you know, not, we're not coaches, but that was something over the course of the season. We were kind of scratching our heads. Like, Dude's a pretty good athlete. Uh, you can get him in the open field, and, and he's got real home run potential, and he, he's you know, good for seven or eight yards anytime he gets any sort of space. Maybe there needs to be some more some more design runs for him. Um, it was a lot of quarterback draw, kind of sweep action, pull out a guard, pull out a tight end. That was successful a couple yeah. times for them. He actually had 129 sack-adjusted rushing yards in the game against Mississippi State, so I'd expect to see big doses of him. Um, the problem was they wanted to go really run heavy, and their run blocking is still – awful it's 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 atrocious um yeah you you look at what tank bigsby i think had 86 yards and a touchdown in this game and in that 41 yard touchdown that put him ahead in the fourth quarter and erased the 21 point lead yeah it's going to get a lot of highlights i I said it in our in our q a with tarpley but you look at his other carries in the game he had a carry of 38 yards and a carry of 41 yards his other carries were like one negative two one zero zero negative two negative three it's just it's feast or famine for this offensive line most of the time it's famine. And if you're Texas A&M, you got a good defensive front, they're probably just going to bully them all game long in the run game. But the thing is, Tank Bigsby's an NFL running back, so he can bail you out every once in a while. And in a game like this where first team to 20 probably wins, if he does that a couple times, um, it might be enough to win. I mentioned real quickly the defensive side, not much changing there. Jeff Schmetting, the defensive coordinator, he's still in place. He's a Boise guy. They probably wanted to push him out. But you're like wondering who else is going to call plays. There's only so many changes you can make, and you one. don't want that thing. Their defense has been bad. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but you don't want things to just completely collapse and give yourself no chance. So he he's still in place as the as the play caller on that side of the ball. And there weren't that many differences in the Mississippi State game. Makes sense. Yeah, AM sure uh, had had some struggles stopping the run as well on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned what what have they been? It seems like they've been able to generate some pressure and some sacks, but, but struggled in other areas. What have been the areas of the defense that they've really struggled with so far this year? Uh, the run game, their run defense is awful. Um, it's the worst in the past, like 17 years for the program um, combination of fatigue and discipline. Really? That's, that's what the players have talked about. Number one, you've got, you mentioned the defensive line. 
A um, couple NFL players up there, Derek Hall, it's going to be like mm-hmm. a third-round pick, Colby Wooden, third or fourth round, really good players along the D-line. Um, they play most every snap, and then you have a couple more guys that, that occupy most every snap they play. So you can wear them down in the run game. Um, the linebackers, Owen Papo is a senior, former five-star. He, he's getting his groove back. He was injured last season. Shaky started the season. He actually looks pretty good. Right now, the other two really, really struggling. A couple of first-year starters, Wesley Steiner. He only played six snaps against Mississippi State. They played two walk-ons over him if that kind of kind of shows you the struggles he's been having and then cam riley um really great athlete six foot five 230 um moves like a moves like a locomotive he, he's a good looking player but he, he's just really kind of struggled for most of this season and so you know guys get to the second level and there's not a lot of support i don't think the safety run support has been very good donovan kaufman the vanderbilt transfer um he's their best tackler there in the at the safety spots nobody else is is very elite in that category. And so, you know, and then I also mentioned the, the discipline, um, you know, Papo's mentioned it a handful of times, Derek Hall, um, you know, frustrated one time mentioned how the same things keep happening week after week in terms of, um, you know, gap integrity. That's a term that people hear all the time when you're talking about run defense, but you know, they're, they're getting their eyes on other things. You know, this is your gap. This is your assignment. If you're a linebacker, come up and fill it. And if something else is happening, don't worry about it. This is your job. Too many guys are looking in other spots, trying to be Superman, trying to do three things at once. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden you get worn down in a D line that's already that's already pretty fatigued. You're having guys trying to you know stretch stretch out and do way too much all at once. And so, but like you mentioned, the other spots are are not bad. Good pressure. Derek Hall's a, a good pass rusher. Um, Colby Wooden has, I think he's got the highest pass rushing grade among interior D linemen in the entire SEC. Um, and you got a couple dudes in the secondary. DJ James has been one of the best corners in the SEC. This season, I think he's like a second-team All-SEC guy right now, I would imagine. Um, Nehemiah Pritchett has had a pretty strong season. He moved from nickel over to corners. The safeties have been pretty good in coverage. The problem is nobody needs to throw it that often because you just run the ball on them all day long. And so when you run the ball, the pass rush doesn't even really matter either. So it starts there for me. And obviously, you look at this game, Devin A. Chain cannot let him run wild in this game they're talking about you know talking about another talented running back you're going against i think that's i think that's probably the number one key for auburn in this game is whether it's connor wigman or 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 haynes king make them beat you with their arms because the pass rush is pretty good right now secondary is feeling pretty good but if a&m's game plan for four quarters is to run the ball and they're successful with it that that could be some big problems for auburn i'm looking at robbie ashford just to, to kind of close things out as as a young player obviously not having a great offensive line or, or playmakers on the outside can make things difficult. What have they tried to do to make things simpler for him um, as he develops as a passer? What have, what have, what have kind of been the strategies to, to try to help him out? You know, for starters, you look at this, the quarterback timeline this season, yeah. Brian Harson wanted Zach Calzada. Uh, he wanted him to be the guy um, comes in combination of a lingering injury Um and the fact that he was just really bad in fall camp. I mean, he 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 ended as the number three guy. He still had that, still had a little bit of an injury, um, but they were just kind of overwhelmed by by how unproductive he was. And it really kind of threw their whole quarterback situation for a loop. You name a guy, your starter in TJ Finley, who um just doesn't give you a lot, not not very athletic, not very accurate. Um, I think you know, a lot of people saw that last season when he took over for Bo Nix. Um, and so you know, a lot of us kind of theorize in the preseason. Knowing the knowing knowing you know that point, mm-hmm. knowing the second point, then you look at a guy like Robbie Ashford and you're like, he's got a lot of tools. He's fast. He can make some downfield throws. He's very raw. Um, he he plays a lot like a baseball player. He he's he's got the worst completion percentage on short yardage throws in the entire Power Five. Um, he'll just sail screen passes. He'll sail you know 
two yard outs to the receiver. So there's a lot he has to work on in that regard. But like you mentioned, he he gives you the threat of some big plays and whether it's with his like he had two scramble touchdowns, one for 19 yards, one for 20 yards against Mississippi State. I will say to his credit, number one, hasn't turned the ball over in two games. Um, he had more fumbles than anybody in college football through like six weeks. He had eight fumbles. He hadn't lost all of them. But in terms of losing the ball, um, it was just it was pretty bad in that department. Hasn't done that in two games. That's good for him. And he's getting a lot more assertive when he in terms of scrambling. If he sees an opening, he's going for it. When he hesitates, that's a lost play. He's just going to throw it away and Auburn will be you know behind the chains on, on first or second down. And so he there's a lot of tools. Um, if things go well for him, he has an opportunity to be a good quarterback. He was good against Arkansas. He's really good against LSU. His completion rate is going to be low. Like Auburn fans have just kind of accepted it. He's going to complete 48% of his passes in games because of throwaways and inaccuracy near the line of scrimmage. It's just it it's low. I don't think that tells the whole story necessarily when, when he's able to break things down and get outside the pocket, he can find guys downfield pretty often. The, the problem is their pass protection is fine, but they just don't have any dudes at receiver. Javarius Johnson, number six, if, if you're Texas A&M, you're, that's, that's the guy you have to key in on. He's been their most explosive player. Other than that, a lot of inconsistencies. You've had, you've had good games here and there from some of those guys, but I mean, you've got one S, high level, S, you know, mid to high level SEC receiver in this receiving core right now. Nobody else has really stepped up. The tight ends have been, have been okay. Um, you know, not very, not, not much yardage to speak of there. And so, you know, the name of the game is going to be, again, keeping things simple. Like we, like we talked about earlier, there were a lot of designed runs for him that worked really well against Mississippi state. Um, so if, if he goes close to hundred yards again in this game, maybe tank Bigsby around hundred yards and they've got no turnovers. I think that's, that probably ends up being an Auburn win because that, you know, you look at the, you look at what they did against Mississippi State, and if they avoided some of those early mistakes on on defense, getting gashed on the first couple drives, they had a kickoff return go for a touchdown. If they avoid that, they win that game. It was a good game plan for this new staff, and so I think it's one they can they can stick to on Saturday, especially in front of a home crowd that'll that'll probably give them a little bit of a boost. No doubt, it feels like whichever team doesn't turn the ball over, you know, will kind of make because neither team feels like it's good enough to really overcome that. And so the good news, I guess, is somebody somebody's going to break a five game losing streak on Saturday night, whether you're Auburn or A and M. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see. Both teams need to win out to to get to a bowl game. Nathan, thanks so much for for joining us. 